and welcome to First DC Church. Um, we are here because his name is wonderful. Thank you for that prelude. I have a couple of announcements before we get started. I'm going to work my way up from the bottom here. I want to remind you that Ken Sears um, will be here September 11th. He'll be here in the evening. He'll be here at 6.30. Um, we will be having him here um, to speak, to tell us all about I'm sure he's going to have a lot of very interesting things to tell us. He is our missionary to Ukraine, and we know what's, what's going on over there at the, at the moment. So um, put that on your calendar, 6.30, September 11th. Also want to remind you that Vicki and I will be going on vacation after church. We're going to be heading out for the week. Um, so um, while we're gone, Pastor Jeff Berger can be called for any pastoral emergencies, and then next, next Sunday, Chaplain Chris Lair will be, will be preaching. I've also been asked, I want you to pay attention too to this week, uh, the 26th, LCCM is going to be having their open house at their Fresh Start Homeless Shelter. You see the address in the, in the bulletin here. Um, and so that's, that is, that's something that's special. I hope you get a chance to go. Um, I'm, I'm going to miss it by being away, but I'm going to call them and ask them or get somebody. I have, we have connections, so I want to see if I can get in and get a tour of that at some point. Um, it's something that is desperately needed in every, every town, so I'm glad to hear that they're, they're doing something like that. Um, and, of course, you see that we've got some, some birthdays. Um, Jeff, we've got, we got a birthday. Jeff Gordon, Arvel Deppen, and Greg Cashella. Um, birthdays this week, and it sounds like we also should mention that uh, on the 26th, someone's having a 55th wedding anniversary. Anybody have any, um, Gloria, you have any idea what that's, that's not correct. Bill, you told us this morning. <laughs> okay, it looks like I need to follow up and, and, and check my sources on that. Forget about that. So, well, <laughs> the twi- 26th. Okay, he did say 26th. Okay. So, so I want to wish them a, a happy anniversary this week. The 55th, that's where we got the 5th, 55th wedding anniversary. So something to, something to, uh, to, be, uh, to rejoice in, a, a, wedding, a marriage that has lasted so long. So. <laughs> and no, no comments. I realized... <laughs> I realized as soon as I said it, I was setting somebody up. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, check out the bulletin and look at the other announcements as well. Any, any other announcements that aren't in here that we need to know about? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, the hurdles to housing, yeah. Um, we had a glitch uh, for just a brief moment online. We've still got the, the, web, the, the icon where you can go and you can uh, donate online. That's back up. For some reason, it got deactivated, but we reactivated it very quickly. So you can go online to the LCCM website, click on hurdles for housing, and then you'll... S- Actually, you're doing very well. Thank you very much. It's, it turns out we're... We pop up right away because we're one of the top three. Um, but if you can't find us, click on view all or something like that, and you'll see all the people that are collecting. So we've still got our goal of 2,000 out there. Last time I looked, we're at 575. So thank you very much. Continue to, to donate. Uh, you can also hand 
hand a, a check to, uh, to Jeannie or, or Gloria, or you can also just mail it directly to LCCM. So, so this week and next are the last two, two weeks, you're saying? Through August, right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, if it's, if it's September 1st, they're not going to send the check back to you. <laughs> yeah. Anything else that, we, that would be good to share? Okay. Well, then let's just, let's just kind of pause and recognize why we're here. Recognize that we're here to, to worship. We're here to just rest in the presence of the Lord. And I use for our call to worship Psalm 89, verses 1 and 2. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Let's stand and sing our praises to the Lord. Every atmosphere is changed when you draw near. Every failure fades away in the silence I hear. The voice that calms the sea, you're in the water still, no matter what I see, you are with me, you are for me, you'll never leave, you are with me, you are for me. Through the flood and through the flames, your spirit moves. When my enemies invade, you hold me close to you. You are confident in battle. You won't abandon me, no matter what I see. Yeah. 
We'll take a moment now to lift up our prayer concerns and lift up praises. I um, have at the top of the list here, of course, Arvel Deppen. Um, I'm told he's still in the ER, although it sounds like some of that might be because of lack of space, uh, being able to get him to another room. Um, but it still sounds like he's still, still dealing with his, his issue with the trouble breathing and his congestive heart failure. So I want to keep him in prayer. Any others that we want to lift up? Yes, Amanda. Um, so Jeff's birthday is tomorrow. Um, so is my brother's. So happy birthday to them. Um, my brother is Clayton. Um, yesterday we moved Maya into her dorm. And, or no, Friday. The day's today. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was, it was successful. Um, I was really concerned because um, her roommate hadn't yet moved in. So she was there um, by herself until yesterday. Yeah. And she was showing some signs of anxiety and... and um, but she did well, and um, she didn't call me, and <laughs> I'm glad because I got up yesterday at 4.30 in the morning to drive up to Phillipsburg to work um, because, unfortunately, I was let go of my job last week because huh. um, I gave two weeks' notice, and he only let me work the one week. So friends of mine let me work this week, and uh, I'm grateful for that opportunity and to be around people that genuinely love me and you know needed my help this week so um just keep Maya in in prayer please and uh I start my new job on Wednesday so and thank you for the prayers I appreciate it anyone else back here it is uh, back to school time for <laughs> most schools. If not, I, I return Monday. Um, so just pray for students, teachers, staff, families, everybody uh, making that switch, maybe especially for James, who I think it finally hit that he's going to be with me every day <laughs> in my class. He um, came down with a loose tooth this morning, and all of a sudden he's 15, and I'm not ready. But <laughs> no, we're very excited to be with each other every day, and I'm excited to welcome my, my new kiddos. So. I'd just like to ask for prayer for my cousin Grant. Um, he's a year older than me, and he lives in Tennessee. Bad diabetes, lost his leg, and he's very depressed. Here. I'm thankful that our daughter from North Dakota could come home and visit us and that she had a safe trip. And what's her name? Leanne. Leanne. On Zoom, Jim Rothline said that he put in an application for a local business and he's waiting to hear back from an interview. So just prayers that things unfold the way they're supposed to and that he might be able to uh, get this job that he's after. Okay. Anyone else? 
How about one more praise? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the fact that I was let go last week affords me the affords me the opportunity to be here today. So God oh. is good. Okay. Well, we're very thankful for that. Okay. Oh, yes. I have I have a follow-up appointment to have my foot checked, and as far as I can tell, it feels really good, and I'm <laughs> hardly wearing my boot at all, so okay, that's a blessing. Yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, first of all, we want to thank you for giving us another day, another day to worship you, another day to serve you. And Father, we have people that are on our hearts, people who need your healing touch, and so we ask you to be with, with Arvel as uh, he's in ER. We ask that you would, uh, would it help him improve his breathing and just uh, get him be able to get back home very, very quickly. Um, we pray for Grant and his diabetes and depression, and pray, Lord, that you would make yourself known to him, that he would recognize that he is not completely alone. And I pray that there would be people who would continue to keep in touch with him. We thank you for your healing. Thank you that Deb is able to get around without the boot, and we thank you that you have provided healing there. We thank you for the way you work. Um, we thank you that uh, Amanda is able to be here, and we pray that things will go well with her and her new job. We pray that things will go well for all of our teachers and school staff. They're going back to work very soon if they're not already back, and we pray especially for the students that you would guide them and protect them and open their minds so that this can be another year of learning and not a year of worry about their environment. We uh, thank you that you provided safety for Leanne as she was able to, to come home. We thank you for your traveling mercies there. We ask for your traveling mercies for Vicki and me as we leave this afternoon for our vacation. Um, and we thank you for the gift of life and for anniversaries. We thank you that we have several this week who are celebrating birthdays and an anniversary as well. Father, we know that you are the, the giver of life. We know that you are the healer and our comforter. And so we pray that you will comfort, protect, and heal, even those ones that we didn't mention. There might be in someone's minds, they might have been lifted to you quietly. Uh, they may have just been forgotten in the moment, but that doesn't mean that they are forgotten in our hearts. We just ask you to watch over them and heal them and comfort them. We also take this time to thank you for being our provider. We thank you for everything that we have and we offer up our offering to you, Lord, as our token of worship, our token of appreciation, and ask you to, to bless this offering 
Bless it, use it as you will to further your kingdom and to further your church. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll ask you to stand again as we sing hymn number 17, O Worship the King. So today we're going to be wrapping up our summer sermon series that was entitled American Idols. And the idol that we're going to talk about today is the idol of impatience. The need for instant gratification. The idol that tells us that we shouldn't have to wait for anything. And I had some trouble thinking about a song for this one until I realized I could go with that kid's song or the song from, from Lion King, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. And I thought, well, that would appeal to the kids. And then I thought about it a minute, and I looked it up. <laughs> Do you know that the Lion King is 28 years old? And so I thought, okay, well, instead of appealing to the seven, eight, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds, I'm actually going to be appealing to like the 25 and 30-year-olds. 28 years old. 
for the Lion King. Oh, well. <clears throat> While we're feeling a little nostalgic, let me take you back a little further. Back to 1962. So officially, that's before my time. I was born in 63, so... <laughs> Back in 62, the Phoenix Candy Company of Brooklyn, New York, they released a new concept in candy. They called it Now and Later. We have a picture of it. See if any of you remember. Oh, wow. It, was, it looked better on my screen. But any of you remember that candy? A candy called Now and Later? No? Okay. Okay, good, good. Okay, we got one that that enjoyed it or at least remembers it? Yeah. Well, the idea was that instead of having a, a total candy bar, a full candy bar that was solid and you kind of had to eat the whole thing all at one time, this, came, this, this candy bar, if you will, was actually 12 individually wrapped pieces of candy that was like taffy. And so the idea was, the reason they called it now and later, was that you were supposed to enjoy a few pieces now and then you could enjoy some of those taffy squares later. You would just save them, save them for later, right? But that's just not how we operate, is it? Think about how you get a small bag of, of chips, a snack bag of chips, right? If, have you ever looked in the back and see, it says two and a half servings on those things, you know? Well, how many of you eat one serving, roll it up, save it for later? Nope, nope, that's not how we do it. We, we eat the whole thing right away, right? There's actually a potato chip company down the road, down closer to where we grew up, down in Hanover, Pennsylvania, the Utz, Utz Potato Chips. And their slogan was, you can't eat just one. Well, we know we can't even just eat one serving. We have to eat the whole bag. You can't wait to eat that other serving and a half later. You want to enjoy it right now. And that's a little bit about what our idol of impatience is all about today. We used to associate impatience just with children, right? If they didn't get their way, they'd start pouting. I want it right now, right? And they'd start pouting. But now we're starting to see it as normal behavior even in adult society. And if you've ever seen the J.G. Wentworth commercial, you know, it's my money and I want it now, right? Yep, some of you know that one. We have fast food restaurants, but that's not fast enough, so we use a drive through to make it even faster, theoretically. We drink instant coffee. We eat instant oatmeal. We make instant mashed potatoes, because nobody's got time to mash all those lumps out, right? There's Jiffy Lube, Speedy Muffler, Urgent Care. We pay extra for Amazon Prime so that we can get our packages shipped overnight. We're at a point where instant gratification is taken for granted. We no longer see it as a preference or see it as a luxury. We now demand it. I mean, how else would you explain getting upset when you have to stand in line in Walmart? And I know it frustrates the heck out of you when you see that they only have two cashiers and they've got extra long lines, and you see other people walking around, the first thing you have in your mind is, why don't they open up another line, right? Because you can't wait they, for those three people that are in front of you in line, right? Or the fact that you can't watch three consecutive television commercials without reaching for the remote to change it to another channel to see what game is playing somewhere else, right? 
and the right turn on red after stop. When that came into effect, that was every driver's best friend. Now it's turned into right turn after speeding up to beat the car that's coming without anything that resembles a stop. And think about texting. We have texting now. And if you don't respond within 30 seconds of the text, that person wants to know, are you upset with me? Instant gratification. If you can relate to any of these situations, you might want to take a look at your life for this American idol called impatience. Let's take a look at an example from the Bible. Somebody who left the idol of impatience lead to his destruction. Today's text is in 1 Samuel chapter 13. And we're going to take a look at King Saul and his worship of the idol of impatience. Now before chapter 13, King Saul was a golden child. We read in chapter 9 that Saul was as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. We read that Saul stood a head taller than anyone else. That's why he was chosen as king. He was, he was their champion. He could represent them better because of his physical stature. The prophet Samuel declared, There is no one like him among all the people. Good and incredible things just seemed to come his way. One day he's out looking for lost donkeys, and the next day he's anointed as the king of all Israel. Saul started out well. He began with humility and mercy, and we see that in chapters 9 and 10. But now that we're in chapter 13, he's got a situation. He's got something on his hands that he has to deal with. His son Jonathan has attacked the Philistine garrison in Geba, and Saul is sure that it's going to result in an all-out war. So he sends out the call to muster all the troops from Israel, Because obviously this is a desperate situation. Saul and his armies are outnumbered, his troops are scared, and many of them have deserted. But Saul has a secret weapon. Earlier, the prophet Samuel had promised to meet Saul there in Gilgal to sacrifice offerings to God and to tell Saul what he should do. Saul's in a perfect situation. And yet, he messed it up because he gave in to his impatience. Now, as we read through this story about King Saul, I want to point out two things that typically set us up for our worship of the idol of impatience. The first thing that we're going to see is stress. So in 1 Samuel chapter 13, I'm going to start in verse 4. I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. So all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become obnoxious to the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Bet-Avon. When the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets, among the rocks, and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, 
and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. So Saul's under a lot of stress here. The Philistines are coming. They've got lots of chariots and horsemen, which basically means they got tanks and cavalry. And they've got an army of a gazillion soldiers. And Saul's troops are starting to get a little squeamish, right? You got some of them saying, I think I hear my mama calling. I got to go. You got others that say, yeah, I just remembered. I'm supposed to be somewhere else, and it ain't here. And they're taking off. Some are running away. They're, They're crossing the border over into Gad and Gilead. And the ones that do stay with him are kind of wishing that they hadn't because they're scared and they're shaking in their sandals. But Saul's still got that ace in the hole, Samuel, the prophet, the man of God. Samuel promised to come back, and he promised to give Saul instructions. So we know for sure that he's coming, isn't he? But Saul's not so sure. He waits And he waits, and he waits. Samuel said he'd be back in seven days. This is day seven, but Samuel's not back yet. What is King Saul going to do? We'll see in verses 8 and 9. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up. The burnt offering. Okay, he's waited. But now he decided that he's waited long enough. Who could blame him, right? I mean, yes, Samuel was a man of God, and he told, he told Saul to wait. Sure, Samuel said that he would offer the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, not Saul. And I'll grant you the day wasn't over yet. But come on, man, things are getting hot here. The stress is rising. Troops are running. It's been seven days. Why would Samuel wait till the last minute, right? Saul needed to do something. He needed to take matters into his own hands, don't you think? No, no. That's the temptation that a stressful situation will lead us into. When we take matters into our own hands, we're swiping them right out of the hands of the one who is in control. We forget that God is still God and that we are not. The other thing that we see here in this story is selfish impatience. Starting in verse 9 again, verses 9 through 10. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Then in verse 10, just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. Isn't that the way it usually happens? As soon as you get impatient, you make a move, and it doesn't take long for you to recognize that, ah, I was pretty foolish here. Listen, I can assure you, God was not just twiddling his thumbs while Saul was biting his fingernails. He had Samuel making the journey from Ziph to Gilgal. It was just taking that long to get there. But Saul couldn't imagine that God would be able to win this battle without some help from Saul and his troops. You see that? I mean, we never do that, right? Pray to God for action, trust God mostly to provide. But when it takes longer than we think it should, we decide that God needs a little help. And that's when we take matters into our own hands. And we basically tell God to step aside. I got this. Well, that's what Saul did. 
The Philistines were coming. Israelites were deserting. Samuel was missing. Something had to be done, and it had to be done quickly. Then Samuel arrives. And Saul probably said, oh, sure, now you show up. Can you imagine the look on King Saul's face when Samuel walks in? You know, maybe it was a look of, why did it take you so long? Or maybe it was one where he says, I, I can explain. We don't know. We don't know what Saul was thinking. We don't know what he might have said. But we do know what Samuel said. He says, what have you done? And then Saul tries to explain. Verses 11 through 14. Verse 11 says, what have you done? Asked Samuel. And Saul replied, well, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over, I, over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people. Because you have not kept the Lord's command. I can only imagine how Saul took that message, how, how the, the, the shoulders must have drooped. One mistake in his mind, one mistake, but he didn't trust in the Lord. Our impatient drive for instant gratification shows our lack of faith in God. Our selfish impatience is a result of fear that God won't keep his promises to us, that he won't show up when we need him. As the church, as the universal church in America, we need to be very careful with this idol of instant gratification because I think the American church is going through a period when we could find ourselves feeling a lot like King Saul. Expenses are building Giving is dropping and our people are fleeing. Sounds a little bit like what King Saul was experiencing. And as individuals, there are times in our lives when stressful situations start to weigh heavy on us. And we become impatient for God to act, for his answer to come, for his promise to show up. And when he delays, we lose faith. We get impatient. We react like Saul did in verse 11. All we can see are the circumstances. The men scattering. The delay. Where he says, you did them. And when that happens, that's when we forget about God. We forget his promise to never leave us or forsake us. We forget his promise to supply all of our needs. So I encourage you to crush the idol of impatience. Be still and know that he is God. I want to wrap up the, the whole series by reminding you that none of these things that we talked about were, were bad on their own. Comfort, um, being in a hurry, <laughs> stress and so forth, uh, 
the different things that we talked about, they're good on their own. It's when we allow them to take our focus off of God. And so there are so many more topics beyond these several that we've talked about. And so I encourage you to examine your life. What is it that might be taking your focus away from God? What is it that was a good thing and you enjoyed it and you started to enjoy it too much that now it controls you? Those are the things that, we talk about, that we're talking about here. Those are those idols that we're talking about. So those are the things that we need to remove. Don't remove the comfort. Remove the idol. You know, don't remove self-worth that we talked about. Remove the idol of making it so important that it removes your focus on God. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for your word And we thank you for the truth that we find in it. Father, we know that you give us so many things that are good, and then we find a way to abuse them. When we abuse them, we abuse them to the point of turning them into an idol. Father, help us to recognize those things in our lives that that by themselves are good, but that we we have moved to a point where they are controlling our lives. They're taking our focus away from you. Father, we want to be closer to you. We want you to be our focus. So help us to recognize those things that we need to take away in our lives, things that need to be adjusted so that our focus is more on you. And Father, we pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, I encourage you to stand again as we sing our closing hymn, number 287.
leave this place with joy in your heart. May the Lord bless you and protect you and make his face to shine upon you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.